Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson. I'm so glad that you've decided to join us, as always, because on Saturday morning, we get to have fun in the landscape. Whether you're growing ornamental shrubs, perennials, flowers, or maybe you like to uh, dress up an annual container, that's just around the corner. We're definitely going to be seeing some pansies going, and snapdragons, ornamental cabbages, mums, 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 mums is the word this time of year. Uh, maybe you're doing vegetable gardening. Fall is a great time to grow some of those cold, loving crops like cabbages and broccoli, kale, mustard greens, turnip greens, collard greens. If it's green, it probably grows. <laughs> in the fall but regardless uh, we did talk about those vegetables a few weeks ago we've talked about uh, fall flowering perennials just last week so be sure to check out that episode if you couldn't join us here live on WRWH 93.9 FM here in Cleveland Georgia this is your hometown radio if you couldn't join us last week you can always find the show after the fact online at NewSouthernGarden.com. And of course, we're on the podcasting apps, Facebook, Instagram. You will find us on the web. So today, I'd like to sort of bring in something that we've never really talked about before. At least not in much detail. I think I have mentioned them probably. It's uh, definitely going to be a show all about some interesting and strange pests. We're not talking about aphids. We're not talking about any insect. We're not talking about diseases. We're not talking about spiders. Talking about some mammals. What pests do you think are mammals and love plants? Deer? Oh, we've talked about deer from time to time. We've got a a great two-part episode online at NewSouthernGarden.com if you've got deer problem. We're going to shrink down the size of the mammal pest to tiny rodents they burrow underground they scurry across the top of the ground we're going to be talking about moles and voles that's right m-o-l-e-s and v-o-l-e-s moles and voles now these are critters that uh, because they're mammals they're tough to deal with if you have an insect problem on your uh, plants it's easy to go find a number of uh, organic or more chemistry-based products that are going to rid, eliminate, chemically, that problem. But of course, mammals. Mammals are tough because mammals, um, anything you use in a chemical world to kill it will also kill kittens, cats, dogs, children, adults. 
for the most part. So we're not talking today about eliminating moles with some kind of strong chemical. Uh, we're not going to go that route. We are going to talk about a, a number of ways that you can uh, deter them, that you can create an environment that they do not like, so they won't hopefully hang around. But I do want to talk, before we get into the controls and prevention of these terrible mammals, uh, <laughs> the moles and voles, I do want to talk about some of the differences and the characteristics in these moles and voles because uh, it's you need to be able to identify them you need to be able to identify which problem you have uh, you may have moles you may have voles but you may also have moles and voles in your place uh, but the great thing to some degree is there are quite a number of differences between the moles and voles uh, differences that can help you identify and also differences that can help you uh, eliminate or at least uh, uh, discourage those critters from coming around the problem with moles and voles is they do cause damage at the plant's root level or very close to the ground uh, some of the differences between moles and voles is the kind of damage that they inflict that they incur uh, where you can definitely tell the difference between moles and voles based on the damage that they inflict on your precious plants now moles let's start with that because probably most people are familiar with moles and moles are uh, those very ugly looking rodents they do have a long nose uh, some of them sort of have a star-shaped nose now there's different uh, types of moles but we'll just be talking generally uh, they generally their eyes if they're even present you can't really see them even if they're there. They're basically blind because they spend most of their time under the ground. But they do have some whiskers. Uh, an interesting thing about moles is that their hair uh, sort of st stands forward, which helps them uh, dig through the soil even better. Uh, of course, they've got these big, broad hands. When I say big, of course, they're tiny creatures. Uh, but for their body size, they look kind of large. They're kind of like big web, almost webby, very long claws, if you will, uh, that are digging like very paddle-like uh, feet on the front side. And of course, that helps them dig. Now, moles are strictly, for the most part, rodents that live under the ground, and they dig. They are the ones, if you've ever noticed you're walking through your lawn uh, or walking through uh, maybe some space under trees even, uh, you'll feel these little ridges, and you can almost see them. If the mole has uh, gotten near the ground, they will pop up these tunnels, uh, little, little humps of soil that just trail all over the place. And when you step on those trails, you can feel that they uh, press down. You can collapse those trails uh, by walking on top of them. Now, that is a mole hill, if you will. That's a mole uh, pathway. So, just know that if you see that, you know moles have been around. Now, voles. Let's talk a little bit more about voles. Voles are also small rodents, but they don't look, in my opinion, they don't look as ugly. <laughs> Bless their hearts. They don't look as ugly as a mole. Uh, voles actually can be commonly, commonly uh, confused with mice. They resemble mice. Um, but they don't necessarily 
dig burrows like these moles do. They don't dig those underground trails. However, (laughs) they may utilize the abandoned mole trails for their transportation. So they let the moles do all the work, do all the digging, and then they pop in and out of those mole trails. Now, this is an interesting thing. If you notice on those mole trails that somewhere you find these golf ball-sized holes near those tunnels, those tunnels, those holes have been made by a vole going in and out of that mole tunnel. So they use the mole uh, hill, if you will, but they come in and out of the soil. Usually, they're on top of the ground, uh, but they'll enter into these mole tunnels through those golf ball-sized holes. So if you see that, then you know at one point, if you've got the trails and those golf ball-sized holes, you know at one point a mole was there to dig the trail. Then a vole came in and opened the doorway, if you will, and started using that place uh, for its transportation. Moles do not leave those kind of golf ball-sized exit holes. So if you see those golf ball-sized exit holes, the point is just know that you definitely have that vole presence. All right, a little more about moles. Let's go back and forth between these two. Uh, We've talked about their appearance a bit. Of course, those moles are very ugly, pointed nose. Uh, They don't look much like a mouse. They've got big uh, paddle-like feet, forefront feet. Feet on the front that they can use to dig and scrape soil away. And then, of course, a vole is simply described as more mice-like, more mice-like. Those are the physical characteristics. Then, of course, we talked about their transportation, how they um, uh, move around the landscape. Usually, voles are above ground and can go below ground. Moles are fairly strictly below ground. However, let's talk about what they eat and what they do. Um, Moles are these mammals that actually are looking for insects. So the moles are moving through the soil, They're eating things like, sure, beetles, uh, definitely grubs. They do love grubs. And remember that grubs are essentially the um, children of adult uh, beetles. So that's their children. Um, Now, these beetles lay their eggs in the soil. The eggs develop, grow, become grubs. And they sort of hibernate in that grub life cycle, that stage under the ground for most of the winter, and then when April starts coming, uh, they raise up higher to the top of the surface, and then through summer, they're popping up and becoming things like Japanese beetles, June bugs. There's all kinds of beetles that uh, grubs could become. So with that in mind, uh, just or I should say keep that in mind, that if you've got a grub problem, moles are going to be wanting to eat those, but they'll also want to eat other insects, and they will eat earthworms too. Now, in my little research that I did, I found out that um, the uh, moles, this is very interesting, can feed on earthworms, but they can also paralyze the earthworms and store them (laughs) to eat later. It's very strange. It's a strange way nature works. So just keep in mind that another difference 
between moles and voles is what they eat. So if the moles are looking for a lot of uh, meat, they want bugs, right? The voles, on the other hand, they are eating all kinds of things like roots and stems. They will devour stems. As a matter of fact, um, you can, well, let me just tell you a story about the, a, a vole problem. Uh, years ago, I was presented with this apple tree. It was dead. There's no roots on the bottom end of it, just a stick. But at the bottom end where the roots should be, there was a spear. It was a spearhead. And it had these little teeth marks that had been gnawed around, kind of like a beaver does. But it turns out that a mole, a vole, excuse me, V-O-L-E, a vole, was the culprit. It literally chewed around the base of this apple tree, a young apple tree, okay? Uh, probably no uh, bigger than the diameter of a broom handle. Very young apple tree. And it's just plowing around, chewing around the base, eating away the roots, and all that's left behind is this pointed spear tip on the end. The root system completely detached. The tree was dead. And we determined they had a vole problem. There was a vole problem. So that is a key indicator. Not only do they chew away at roots, but they're also really bad because they spend a lot of time on top of the soil. They will chew away at the base of your tree, the base of your shrub. Of course, if it's a large tree, probably not too big of an issue. But for those young orchard apple trees, like the story I just told you, it can be detrimental. Ornamental trees you're planting like red buds and whatnot, pretty much it's fair game when it comes to voles. So we've got two different creatures, the mole that is digging through the soil and eating grubs. So it's not necessarily eating the uh, plant itself. It's eating... The, the beetles, the bugs in the soil. But while it's moving through the soil, it's damaging root systems. So that can be detrimental. Then, of course, we've got the vole, the little mouse-like creature that goes above ground and crawls below ground too uh, in those abandoned mole tunnels. And they are chewing away at the base of plants, chewing away roots for sure. I mean, they'll, because they're sort of rat-like or mouse-like, they'll eat other things. They'll eat berries, they'll eat nuts, they'll eat, they'll eat on stems. Uh, they'll chew around probably some grass too. But the point is they are actually physically um, removing parts of your plant, whereas the mole is sort of like a um, secondary problem, you know. They're, they are eating grubs, which is great, because grubs eat your grass roots and your plant roots. So even though they're eating away at for bugs, they're digging and damaging root systems. Well, gang, we've got to take a break, but that's sort of a brief introduction to the differences between moles and voles. We'll talk about more when we get back, and we'll eventually get to how to control these fluffy creatures. Hang on tight. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well.
So, gang, today on New Southern Garden, we are giving getting rid of moles and voles a go. That was Eden Rose, of course, my now three-year-old daughter. She had a birthday this week, so happy birthday to her and also her mother. They share the same birthday. What a great present. Really, both her mother and I received when she was born. But today we are talking, if you're just joining us, about moles and voles. Now, they can be detrimental in landscapes. Um, Some years they can be worse than others, and we're going to talk a little bit about why that is the case. But with all that being said, you've got to, before you start trying to attack your mole or vole problem, you got to determine if you have a vole or if you have a mole problem. And, of course, you may have both. As we've already mentioned, um, just because you have moles doesn't mean you won't have voles. Actually, voles can use some of the abandoned uh, tunnels that moles dig. Moles can use that to commute on. So with all that being said, there's a lot to do. And of course, one of the best ways to determine if you have a mole or vole problem is to see them. But that's difficult. If you happen to see a little uh, mouse-like creature scurrying around, they don't have much of a tail, uh, that could be a mole. But if you have a, uh, a vole, if you, gosh, this mole and vole, I'm going to get them confused. The vole looks like the mouse with a little short tail, but the mole you may never see because it spends most of its lifetime under the ground. With that uh, I think that what I'd like to do is take a, a little more time with the vole, V-O-L-E, the vole, because most people understand the mole problem, and if you see those tunnels, you pretty much know moles have been around. Uh, whether voles are using those tunnels currently or not, you'll have to determine by looking for those golf ball-sized exit and entry holes um, that voles will create, but not many of us know much about these voles. I already told you that strange story about some of the damage that a vole did to a young apple tree. It just completely ate away the root system, and all that was left was a uh, stick, a stick with a spear end on the bottom, the root end of the stick, uh, of, of the uh, trunk of the apple tree, because those voles had just chewed around, kind of like a beaver does, and had removed that uh, root system from the stem. If you wonder, say you look out in your landscape and just, it's almost like overnight. It's almost like just a couple of days, a shrub or a tree just fails. It just wilts. It turns brown. It's like burnt to a crisp. The very first thing I'll look for is vole or mold damage because vole and mold damage, because it's so distressing to the root system, where in the case of that poor apple tree, the entire root system was severed away. Because the stem no longer, it no longer has a root system attached, the plant will just immediately suffer, and of course, it will start to die back. So this is kind of a quick death, or a quick wilt, if you will. Um, If you've got disease, it'll probably be a a slow go. Uh, You'll see spots, you'll see uh, certain characteristics. It maybe takes 14 days for the plant to really suffer. But this mole and vole damage, a plant will just automatically and suddenly, for no apparent reason, be healthy one day, and a couple of days later, maybe completely dead, if not almost dead. (laughs) So be on the lookout for plants like that. If it's a quick change in its health, could be voles or moles. And one of the next things to do would be to wiggle the plant, sort of wiggle the plant, and see if the root system is loose. Uh, In the case of that apple tree, 
when we wiggled the apple tree, it just broke free. It was just barely hanging on to the soil. So be sure that you're checking the root system the best you can to ensure this vole and mold damage is, is, is the problem or is not the problem. But to get back to the voles, because I don't think that um, we know so much about voles. We always talk about moles, and we always think our problem is moles. But I do want to give you some facts about uh, voles. Of course, they can cause some uh, pretty dramatic damage to small trees and shrubs. Big trees are usually not a problem. They may nibble, but the big trees are so big that their tiny little teeth are not so big of a problem. But listen to how fast they can uh, grow. They have multiple litters in a year, and every three to five years, there's a population boom. So multiple litters a year, but maybe every three to five years, we're seeing a, a flush of mole, of voles. Um, when you see damage to your lawn because of voles that may be eating at the lawn roots, you'll usually see that in the spring because they've been consuming over winter. They're staying warm in the ground, uh, maybe using those mole tunnels to dig, or not to dig, but to travel under your lawn. So look in the spring uh, for lawn damage. Now, we're going to get to, um, we are going to get to ways to prevent these creatures, uh, but the next step is to accept the fact that these voles, very much practically a field, field mice, uh, very common uh, in our yards and our fields. They do have, they do, like I mentioned earlier, look like a mouse. They have that shape, but they have smaller ears and a short tail. I mentioned the short tail, but I failed to mention the uh, small ears. Now, their life cycle, like other rodents, they don't live for long, thank goodness, right? <laughs> but they are very productive breeders, I already mentioned, they have multiple um, uh, litters a year. That could be one female having five to ten litters a year, and every litter could contain three to five new baby voles. That's right, folks. You could have as little as 25 uh, new voles from one mama in a year, or you could have up to 50 in one year. And of course, every three to five years, there is that population bloom, boom, population boom. <laughs> now, because they are more on the surface creatures, they not under the ground much, they do have these sort of nesting areas in shallow grass, um, shallow grassy areas, they may dig a small tunnel just under the soil, four to five inches down below, but they don't necessarily dig those very long tunnels like the moles do. These voles are spending a lot of time above ground or just barely below it. And on a good note, voles are a prime food source for some of our native predators like snakes They'll get a delicious snack. Hawks can have a wonderful vole supper. Owls will love to pick those babies up at nighttime. Foxes, badgers even. And so there are some predators that are controlling voles. But the less and less we see of the predators, then the more and more we see of the voles. And that can be a problem. Now, as I mentioned, voles are fairly just uh, herbivores. They are just eating grasses and plant life. They don't necessarily eat the meat like bugs that the moles do. So they spend a lot of this time uh, of their time eating grass, uh, eating the roots, making some of these trails here and there. Um, 
running on the surface is one of the best ways to identify those voles when you see them running across the top of the ground. The best way to see them. Now, they will uh, sometimes make these small holes about an inch across to get to tubers and bulbs. You may have seen those in the ground. I know I see them from time to time uh, at the nursery. Of course, you can find me throughout the week at Lanier Nursery and Gardens. See them on our grounds uh, and in our mulch. Uh, Back at the house, of course, we see them uh, digging little holes like that an inch across. They're trying to dig out little things to eat. Um, We've already mentioned, uh, but I should probably reiterate that these voles will sometimes use those mole tunnels, uh, so we can't always blame the moles, right? Sometimes it is the voles. Um, Let's see, one last thing. Okay, so we've already mentioned that the damage they cause can be seen on trees and some shrubs where they're chewing the bark close to the ground. One thing to look for is that the, the front teeth of the vole leaves behind about uh, one quarter inch side-by-side grooves in the wood. That apple tree that I mentioned that had been chewed around the base right at the ground level, that situation was definitely a vole because we could see those one quarter inch side-by-side grooves that had been eaten around. Uh, beavers can do that. At my place, uh, we have a small pond and beaver is a problem, but they have much bigger teeth quarter-inch teeth uh, for these little guys, you will see those quarter-inch side-by-side grooves. So with that being said, we do have to cut to a break, but when we get back, we're going to talk about all the ways that we can control moles and voles alike. Some of them uh, we can control in similar methods, so it's really easy. So hang on tight, and we'll give you all that information when we get back. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. All right, gang, well, today on New Southern Garden, we're not really talking about planting new plants, and we're not describing wonderful perennials or shrubs to plant over this season. We're trying to, uh, today, prevent our existing beautiful plants from being damaged by some really dramatic characters. They are not insects. They are... Not deer, but they are mammals. These are moles and voles. Today we're talking about everything moles and voles because I realized, uh, well, I've been getting a lot of uh, questions about moles and voles and concerns this year, uh, particularly from clients at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. We get a lot of uh, responses about moles and voles and what to do and how to keep your plants safe. And I realized we've never talked about it on this program. So I thought, well, what better time uh, than to be looking because some of the damage you'll start to see will maybe heavy, heavy hit over winter. Because, of course, as we go into winter, these mammals, they have to survive. They've got to continue to live. And so they're going to be scavenging for food big time. 
mean, in the growing season, there's food abundant everywhere. And because we've already talked that the vole damage and sometimes the mold damage that's done in your lawn, you'll start to see that in spring because they've been damaging the roots over winter. They've been chewing away when you've been inside, not watching them because it's too cold. They're eating, damaging your lawn. Then in spring, when your grass tries to green up, it doesn't have much of a root to green up with. So you see spring damage. So we can use this fall season and uh, winter season to maybe get a jump on it. At least try to take a, uh, a survey in your landscape to see if you've got vole or mole problems. So if you've missed any part of this program, of course, you'll find it later online at NewSouthernGarden.com uh, because earlier in the program, what you missed was I was talking about the differences in moles and voles, the differences in their physical characteristics, how they look. They look dramatically different, even though they're small uh, rodent-like mammals. Um, the vole, of course, looks more mouse-like, and the mole, you don't really see eyes on it. It's not going to be looking back at you. It's got big paddle-shaped hands on its front, uh, on its front, its head side. That, of course, is to help dig its treacherous tunnels, terrible tunnels that are just damaging things. But regardless, we also talked about the differences in what they eat. Of course, moles, they eat uh, bugs, insects. They love meat. And then the um, voles are, I guess we could call them Veg, what do we call those? Vegetarians. They're vegetarians because, of course, they eat roots and stems and leaves and, and grass and whatnot. Now, when it comes to trying to uh, control, we need to get into preventing and managing moles and voles. The first thing we've got to recognize that voles and moles alike, they are very common. So total prevention, total eradication is really not possible. It's impossible, uh, but there are some things we can do just from a sanitation point of view. This, of course, sanitation is a cultural practice that we use all throughout uh, horticulture and gardening and agriculture. We want to make sure that things are kept clean. Uh, so, of course, sanitation can be used to help control diseases. If you've got a plant that has diseases, you try to sanitize your uh uh, ground. Uh, in other words, removing any leaves that have fallen, any diseased leaves or stems that have fallen, remove them, burn them, get them off. And when we deal with uh, these creatures, moles and voles, keeping a clean yard is very helpful. So one thing we want to do when we're trying to prevent voles and moles is to remove wood piles and, of course, other debris from the ground that may be a hiding place for these creatures, particularly the voles. Because voles are mainly above-ground creatures, they will travel below ground, as I've mentioned several times. Just know that the voles like to travel above ground most of the time uh, if they can hide under some wood pile if they can hide under a mulch pile and dig into there and make a little burrow they very well may so if we remove those situations those kind of conditions then 
the voles in particular are less likely to be a problem. Now, another thing to do is to keep the grass trimmed short. Uh, keep the bushes trimmed up from the ground. Don't let them touch the ground too much. And of course, that is just helpful for the plant because if a plant touches the ground, it could very well contract a soil-borne disease. So keeping the lower branches of a shrub trimmed up a bit can be helpful so that there's no hiding places for these voles. Uh, and also, uh, of course, keeping your gr- grass trimmed is another place where you they won't be able to hide. If they can be seen in a short grass over winter, they're less likely to be there. Now, particularly the voles, um, one problem you may find is that they are probably attracted to your bird feeder. Now, we want to continue to feed the birds, but just like squirrels attack bird feeders, so can the voles. Voles can eat whatever falls to the ground. Um, so be sure to keep the ground very clean below. Uh, it may be a weekly thing. You know, keep feeding your birds. We want to uh, encourage birds in the landscape because they give you that beautiful music and their sweet whistles and whatnot. The songs of birds is wonderful. But, of course, if they are, they can be a bit messy and they just uh, throw a lot to the ground, uh, or if your uh, feeder gets blown in the wind and spills over, be sure to remove any excess. That will also keep the squirrels at bay as well. <laughs> now, one thing when it comes to voles, and maybe even moles to some degree, is to use what we could call a tree guard. Tree guard. Um, in, in order to prevent vole damage around tree bark, and encircle, you may encircle the tree with a light-colored tree guard. Now, a tree guard should be tall enough to, to reach um, above the soil, maybe two or three inches. Uh, if you are in an area where it snows, then this tree guard needs to be able to reach above a snow line. Of course, we don't have a lot of snow here in our area that stays on the ground for an extended period of time. But in our area, two or three inches above will be just fine. Now, this um, tree guard should be buried in the soil uh, or sort of have a soil ridge around the base of it. And make sure that the guard is loose enough so that it does not constrict the tree. So we're sort of encircling with some kind of wire uh, or maybe some kind of... um, Oh, what is that word? The flashing, some kind of metal flashing, uh, could also be a stone guard. Could also be made of rock that you uh, guide around the base of the tree, burying it just a little below the ground and keeping it above the ground. That way, we're creating an atmosphere around the base of the tree that a mole, a vole in particular, uh, doesn't care for. But we don't want whatever material we use to constrict the growth of the tree. That can cause girdling. And that can be detrimental. Another thing that if we use some kind of plastic material and it actually touches the bark of the tree, uh, plastic can keep moisture around the base and the bark of a tree. We never want excess moisture around the bark of a tree because excess moisture can lead to rotting, uh, some bacterial or fungal issues, and that can cause girdling and death of the tree. Now, one thing that people don't think enough about, maybe, is trapping. Now, remember, we're dealing with rodents. Uh, You know, if we have a possum problem, which is a marsupial, but still a mammal, if we have a, well, yeah, well, I don't know. Marsupials are mammals? I'd have to look look that up. They do bear live young, and they produce milk for their young. 
I guess it's just a type of mammal. I really can't remember. Anyhow, that is an off-track statement there. <laughs> but regardless, if we're trapping some pest like a, uh, a skunk, oh, Lord, that'd be hard to trap without getting sprayed, uh, but a possum, something. These two can be trapped, and it's not a bad idea. Now, what I'll say is because these essentially, these voles are essentially like a field mice, field mouse, they can be trapped with a normal mouse trap. But you'd want to place these mousetraps nearby their runways or their tunnels where they're coming in and out of the ground. If you can locate that, you're sure enough going to be able to catch more of these voles if you can actually get that trap nearby. Now, you can bait these traps with peanut butter. That's usually the go-to for most uh, trapping uh, with wildlife. But also, uh, you can use apples, apple slices, uh, and maybe maybe if you use apples, put some leaves on top or something to hide it a bit where they can find it, smell it out, and scurry, and they will surely get trapped. Now, if you go this mouse trap option, which is suitable for a vole, be sure to maybe cover them with some kind of bucket. I was also thinking before the program when I was looking through my notes that you could use a nursery pot maybe, uh, and cut out the uh, sort of a hole on the, on the top of the pot and turn it upside down over the trap so the vole can get in and out. Well, hopefully not out, but definitely in. Uh, and that way it's covered so that if uh, pets come by maybe children who are playing, they don't actually set the trap off because that could definitely cause some pain. But trapping is a way to go as well. Now, there are probably some chemicals out there. However, I don't like to talk about the chemicals because I don't know, you want to make sure you're doing the very safest option possible. Chemicals in the, uh, in the mammal world are essentially poisons that can be poisonous to other mammals. So be very careful. Of course, there have historically been fumigants used to kill moles uh, underground, but um, I just don't think it's that safe of an idea. So I'm going to leave that up to you and to maybe get some more uh, information on. But the next thing I do want to talk about is the fact that we can use repellents. Repellents are a good choice. Repellents are not going to end the critter's life. They're not going to damage the critter's life. We're just going to use repellents that create an uninhabitable or undesirable situation for these critters to live in. So the area we're going to treat with repellents are those areas where you've got your plants, maybe it's your entire property, uh, if you've got a small uh, amount of acreage but of course if you are on some large acreage you are probably just going to be uh, treating uh, small areas uh, planting areas lawn areas with repellents one of the best repellents that's on the market that's available today for really voles moles anything that burrows it may have some control on, on rabbits but particularly these voles and moles um, is going to be castor oil that's right castor oil now i'm not going to encourage you to run down to the 
pharmacy or whatever uh, and buy a bottle of castor oil, liquid castor oil, because that can get quite messy and it may not be as effective as some of the products that are available. Of course, if you went and got uh, liquid castor oil, I'm sure it would work, but you're going to have oil all over everything. Uh, Most plants do not want to be surrounded by oil, particularly the very hot time of the year, summer, uh, or on very sunny days. It can literally bake them uh, if we put too much oils on plant leaves. Um, So I'm not going to recommend to use the liquid. However, there are some products that have become, that are uh, formulated as a pellet. It's pelletized castor oil. So you essentially will take the castor oil pellets, you will sprinkle them, spread them around your landscape, around your planting areas. Those castor oil pellets slowly break down and that castor oil is released into the soil and the critters just don't like to glide through it. It may be a taste thing. Uh, It's probably more like I've got grease all over me. Why am I living in this situation? (laughs) And so that castor oil can be very effective. When we get back, I'll tell you some of the brands you can buy uh, of castor oil and uh, how to get rid of these mammals in your landscape. Hang on tight. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. (laughs) At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now let's get growing together. All right, gang. Well, we've got one last final segment today to discuss and finish discussing moles and voles, M-O-L-E-S and V-O-L-E-S, moles and voles in your landscape. Of course, these are those critters that do an immense or can do an immense amount of damage to a plant's root system or somewhere near the root system. With voles, they are actually chewing and devouring roots. They are using your plant's roots to eat. They are using your plants to grow themselves and produce offspring with. I can imagine uh, we're, you know, we're getting closer and closer to the holidays that these voles are just uh, chopping away at your roots baking them in their little vole ovens, bringing them to the table, and serving their litters of five uh, a Thanksgiving feast off of, your, <laughs> off of your plant's roots and stems. Now, moles, of course, they, they're really eating bugs in the landscape for, uh, for just a short time 
term there, uh, bugs is what they're using. They're, they're eating uh, grubs. They're eating earthworms even. They can eat beetles. They can eat anything, really. They're, they're just wonderful at eating meat. They love meat. But while they're looking for something to eat and places to live, they are digging and scratching away, uh, chewing away, uh, destroying root structure uh, of your plants. So they can both, voles and moles, be very destructive. But before the break, we were talking about a method of control for voles and moles as far as repelling, repelling them. The idea behind repelling some creature is that we're not killing it. We're not eliminating it. We are just creating an an area, creating a space that they don't want to live. And one of the best ways to repel voles and moles in your landscape is to use castor oil. Now, I've already mentioned not to just go out and buy castor oil by the gallon, the liquid uh, castor oil, if you will, even though that's probably easy to come by, uh, putting oil around plants and you're surely going to be getting it on their leaves might do some damage and it won't last for very long. So what you need to be looking for is pelletized castor oil. Now, pelletized castor oil, one of the best products to go for is called Mole Max, M-O-L-E-M-A-X, Mole Max by Bonide. Of course, you can find uh, some of those products at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week as well. But regardless, Mole Max is a very easy to use product. It is a granular pelletized castor oil, and you can put it in a spreader, roll it across your lawn. Uh, You can also hand spread it. It is just castor oil, by the way. Uh, you can distribute it however you like, but it's so easy because it's just like throwing fertilizer pellets out. Very easy to spread. No mess, and it slowly breaks down. So as uh, the castor oil pellet slowly breaks down, it lasts longer, and it lingers in the soil uh, for an extended period of time when you compare it to, say, a liquid castor oil. Now, remember when we're trying to get rid of moles in particular, we've talked a lot about getting rid of voles and things to do above ground, but that castor oil will work its way into the soil uh, at the level where moles are going to reside. But in addition to castor oil, if you're going to be throwing out um, those mole max pellets or castor oil pellets, while you're throwing that out, you may consider throwing out a pelletized insecticide, something as um, easy as a product called bifenthrin, um, is easy to come by and it's quite affordable, but you can find it in a pelletized form. You throw that out with the castor oil and the bifenthrin will work on the insects and the grubs in the soil. Hopefully it's the grubs you're going after. Uh, Unfortunately, there's not many products that are going to kill grubs and leave other insects alone so you've got to make this decision yourself you've got to say is it okay if i kill a large number of insects even though i'm just trying to kill these bad ones if you will call them bad because your moles will be eating those uh they won't uh most products that kill these insects do not harm earthworms which is a good thing we love our earthworms but so do the moles right (laughs) so if you are creating a place with that castor oil that they don't like, and you're also creating a situation where there's very little food for the moles, then you'll 
you should slowly or hopefully quickly start to see them dissipate and wander away. The idea with using uh, the castor oil and maybe insecticide is that you're trying to push the moles away from your property, either into the woods, into the tree line, or your neighbor's property. That'd be a better place for them to be, right? Get them out of my place, send them to the neighbor, and let the neighbor deal with them. And if he wants to buy some castor oil, he can do the same thing. But regardless, the idea with repelling is you're not going to eliminate them. They're not going away permanently. They're just being pushed to the edges, pushed away telling them this is not a good place for you to live. That castor oil will quickly, as a matter of fact, probably over the course, uh, usually castor oil is, is applied in a three-day process. You start close to the house, then go further away from the house with another application, and then the third day, a third application further out. So you're pushing that perimeter away, pushing those critters away from the house and your plantings. And quickly, in about three or four days, a castor oil kicks in and they start moving away. Of course, repellents have to be reapplied. So they're not a permanent solution. However, and we're coming on the end of this program, so I should say you can bring in another mammal that can help you get rid of your mole and vole problems. As a matter of fact, these mammals do a very good job. If they're a little hungry and maybe a little wild, <laughs> they will really do a good job. Of course, I'm talking about a domesticated cat. Now, cats, you know, dogs are man's uh, best friend and cats are probably man's worst enemy. But <laughs> cats come with their own problems. So I know that it may not be an option for you. Uh, your neighborhood may not allow cats outdoors. And keep in mind... A cat on the inside, an inside indoor cat, is not going to be effective. As a matter of fact, an indoor cat can probably only look out the window and watch those moles carry your plants away and the voles destroy their root systems. They're just watching. They're spectators at the action. So you've got to make sure if you're using a cat that it can be outdoors at least for part of the time uh, and they will be. And keep them on the hungry side. We do have a couple of cats. Um uh, they don't really have names. I, I think we're probably going to call him Butler because uh, Butler has is a black cat, but he has a, a white neck and little white paws, so he looks like a butler. And so I figured uh, his sister could be called Scarlet. So we've got uh, Rhett Butler, I guess, and Scarlet. But anyhow, uh, regardless, uh, we keep our cats just on the hungry side. You know, I feed them uh, once in the morning. They get plenty of food, uh, but they are really good cats to uh, go after wildlife. So keep that in mind. Cats are an option. Well, gang, today we have talked about moles and voles. Remember, they are mammals that are working to destroy your plants. Voles are eating the roots uh, and the bark. And of course, the, uh, the moles are destroying root systems as they continue to dig tunnels back and forth across your lawn, around your trees and shrubs. We talked about the differences in what they look like and what they eat so be sure if you've missed any part of today's program to check us out online at newsoutherngarden.com and for new southern garden and wrwh 93.9 fm i'm nathan wilson hoping that you stay well and grow well give it that now go. let's give getting rid of moles and voles a go we'll see you next week
Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.